0: you do have to be brave. And I think if we're saying that this is our goal, then it does give everyone the confidence to be brave and to push themselves and for it to be okay for it to not work out. Because I think sort of filtering yourself and being a bit safer, that is arguably more risky because the job of a brand has got to stand out against everything else in the world. So if you do sort of edit yourself and filter yourself a little bit, you run the risk of blending in with everyone else and so I think we're just really clear on that goal and I think yeah you do have to be sensible it's not about being reckless it's about doing what's appropriate and I think if you can start with an idea that is appropriate that is sort of inspired by the needs and the wants and the audience you are listening to one more question
1: a podcast by the people of nice work one of the things we often catch ourselves saying is can we ask you one more question This podcast is all about sharing that, the best conversations we've had with significant brand builders, experts, and communicators. The people that we've encountered as we go about our work of making people care by creating impactful brands. Season three is focused on unpacking the topic of branding. We talk to people who design brands, own brands, build brands, and even those who hire for brands. We explore what brands look like and how they behave across a wide spectrum from world-renowned brands with massive budgets like Spotify to companies that are making big waves on small budgets. If you're looking for insights on the best ways to invest in and build your brand, this is the season for you. I'm your host, Ross Drakes. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Luke Woodhouse. Luke is the creative director at Ragged Edge, a branding agency for change makers. Apart from being one of our most reluctant guests, he's achieved a lot. From working at branding agencies in London and Sydney, Luke landed at Ragged Edge. He saw an opportunity to build a team and an approach for people who care less about how things are and more about how they could be. Their clients include brands like Wise, East London Liquor Co., Papier, Reveal, and The Mindful Chef. From their studio in London to clients around the world, the agency uses brands to solve complex, critical problems. We talk about their drive to build a brand around a single idea and how the story that they create around that is the strongest way of achieving that. He shares how creating rules can excite people and how building confidence in creative people makes for bolder work. He even shares their secret values. Enjoy. Luke, thank you very much for your time and welcome to One More Question. It's great to have you here.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm really pleased to be here and honored to be on your list of guests.
1: So, I mean, uh, one of the people I've been trying to interview for the podcast, Jessica Bong, um, sort of passed the torch to you. And I'm glad she did because when in our pre call, we were talking about, you know, the sort of you know, a lot of the work you do seems to have quite a heavy conceptual approach to it. You know, the thought behind it seems to be very important. Can you talk a little bit about how? you You think about that and how you build brands from a, a thought first,
0: yeah, absolutely. I think for us, what we really believe is that the concepts the the most important thing because that's really what uh, paints a picture in people's heads, and that's if you can sort of define a really strong concept that can uh, give you rules that lets you build a world then if you can create that world and have every element adding up to that bigger idea then the brand as a whole can add up to something greater than the sum of its parts and I think it's important to like when we do create these brands give them a real strong story to tell so that it's not doesn't just stop at the sort of visual assets.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a few contradictions in there because most people, when they think about creative people, they don't think about let's set some rules and let's put some guidelines in here. But how do you how do you use this sort of thing of a single idea or that like strong idea and then build rules around it that allows it to almost grow and thrive and evolve?
0: Yeah, I think one way we do that is really we're always asking how can we exaggerate that idea? How can we make it really, really clear with every element? So it's not so much necessarily about um, the rules, but um, it's more about giving you a starting point that lets you sort of know what to do and what not to do. And so, like, if you've got a really clear idea about, say, um, a not-secret society like we did for Reveal... Then that gives us a sort of rich visual language to tap into. And so we can we can ask ourselves, is this exaggerating this idea? Is this communicating what we want it to communicate visually and verbally? And that gives us an that gives us the direction we need to make creative decisions that's gonna hopefully lead us somewhere really rich, really distinctive, really interesting. And I think sort of the reason we want to like exaggerate that idea and have every element adding up to it is because it's really hard to convey that idea it's got to be simple enough for everyone to understand but then rich enough to give you that starting point and that direction to help you make your creative decisions
1: i mean i like that i like that concept of exaggerating things i'm sure you you have to sometimes remind people of that i know Often at nice work, we're guilty of pre-filtering ideas. You're like, oh no, they'll never sign that off. Or, you know, we can't go that far. How do you maintain that balance of pushing for this kind of idea that's rich and exciting, but still presenting commercial work to a client with a, a brief and an objective and a budget, which often sits sort of in in opposition or not, not so much opposition, more tension with, with that idea of kind of pushing something so wildly out there?
0: Well, I think really you do have to be brave. And I think if we're saying that they, this is our goal, then it does give everyone the confidence to be brave and to push themselves in for it to be okay, for it to not work out, because I think the sort of filtering yourself and being a bit safer, that is arguably more risky because the job of a brand has got to stand out against everything else in the world. So if you do sort of edit yourself and filter yourself a little bit, you run the risk of blending in with everyone else. And so I think um, we're just really clear on that goal and I think, yeah, you do have to be sensible. It's not about being reckless. It's about doing what's appropriate. And I think if you can start with an idea that is appropriate, that is sort of um, inspired by the needs and the wants and the audience and what's true to that business, then hopefully you'll get somewhere that does make sense, that is, that is still brave but appropriate at the same time. So it's a balance. You can't just go out there just going wild. But um, if you can push it far enough, then um, you can get somewhere really interesting.
1: I'm I'm interested in what you said there. You said you sort of have this single goal. Can you walk me through how you build that with your clients? Because I'm assuming they don't have like a brief that they bring you. where They're like, this is our singular clear goal that we'd like you to build everything around. How do you get them to a point where, you as the sort of agency and them as the client have that single goal that you can both sort of bond around? Because I can see how it becomes something very useful for the project. But obviously the first step is to get everyone to to sort of buy into it. Because if you've bought into one single idea and they've bought into a different one, it's not necessarily going to succeed.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, it is, it is a process and I think we we interview everyone we start with like gathering our research and really it's the it's our brilliant strategy team that really helps us sort of define what that strategy is what that goal could look like and um that is there is a lot of work to get to that sort of unified single strategy and that is as a creative team that becomes our brief uh, really that becomes the goal that we want to express conceptually visually verbally with the, with the world that we create and um, that can be summed up in in the brand platform and the positioning and and the the, the brand idea that we end up with um, over the course of the strategic process.
1: So now, is this you know on your site you say this is where where change happens? What do you what do you mean when you say? I mean, apart from it being a well written sort of line, like what does that mean to you internally, and how do you use it to sort of? push the brand you create and the, the people who creating them and the clients who have to then receive and own them
0: I think the, there's a couple of answers. First of all, like it could be quite literal. So Ragged Edge is a place where you come to, to create change. But I mean really it's it's aimed at attracting the sort of client that are change makers. They're they're brave people out there doing something new, doing something different to to use branding to drive some sort of positive change in the world, whatever that might be, whether it's a renewable energy company or, or a new way of um, uh, communicating creative work. Or if it's a, it's a fintech helping people send money around the world, like it is creating some using branding to drive some sort of positive change.
1: And do you? I mean, that's a, a cool idea. Like, do you use that to filter the the clients that you get? So, if you looked at someone and been like, "You're not brave enough, or you're not looking for change, and we're actually not the the right people to help you."
0: Absolutely. To be honest, it, it doesn't necessarily get to the point where we have to say you're not the right you're not right for us because we're so clear about telling everyone the sort of uh, client, the sort of business that we're going to be um, a good partner for it's quite self filtering. So when clients come to us, we, we tell that story, we tell that story about creating change. We tell that story about standing out and doing something different. And you know, we, we do say working with us means that bravery will not be optional.
1: I mean, I like that, Uh, you know, I'm seeing more and more with uh, more interviews we do that the people who are really sort of standing out are picking, a corner. It doesn't actually matter what that corner is. It can be anything. And I think there's a, a different sort of company for for every different client. And you know, there's some people who are good at making the the old guard look good. There's some people that are look helping challenger brands. You're saying you're helping people who want to be brave and make change. Yeah. And I think that's where that that thread gets much stronger. Cause you know, the, one of the questions I asked you is like, did you just magically get here? but you like we figuring it out by working on in a similar space again and again and again. And I think that's what makes your studio better is that you, you understand how to help people be brave and make change and and do all of those things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's something that we recognized, um, about ourselves as people first and foremost, and, Really, we recognize that that's the sort of work that really excited us. It's the sort of work that we want to be doing. Um, we we sort of aren't as excited about incremental 1%, 2% changes. We We want to make a big, big splash and help people move forwards in a big way or change direction in a way that's really sort of can be like defining for their business and and how everything works. And and that's our goal. That's what gets us excited. And so, you know, it's something that we believed in from the start. And then we created a a brand for Ragged Edge that, that attracted those people with that mindset.
1: Mm. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it sounds fun to do, but it must also be quite um, scary at times when you are promising this massive upliftment and this massive change. Um, Can you, can you talk about some some examples that that have surprised you, where people have been more willing to to change than you you thought they would be, or like or, or done things that you didn't expect them to be comfortable doing?
0: Uh, yeah, I think a lot of the stuff. The first things that spring to mind are currently you know heavily under NDA, and I can't really talk about them yet, but. Um, like the first, the first occasion, uh, where I really felt that was, um, years ago when we were, we were creating the, the brand for the energy company bulb, which is struggling a little bit at the moment. But I remember going into that meeting and we were going to pre- present, uh, a neon pink brand for an energy company at a time where, you know, the energy brand market was a sea of blues and greens. And I was so, I was so nervous doing that and like. The way we sort of sold the brand, it just sort of made it feel like inevitable, like they had to do that. So, I mean, that's surprising. And and to be honest, that does, that does happen all of the time. So we'll always like, we present three concepts. There's always like a, there's always a braver one. And mm. often not people go for the braver one because that's why they come to us. And I think an example of that, a recent one would be, um, circa 5,000, which, um, First of all, at every stage they surprise they surprised us with what uh, what they were picking. But uh, that was a project led by Matt Smith, one of the other creative directors. But um every stage from the naming, like we threw in circa five thousand as a little bit of a wild card, but they just loved mm. the story that it told, the vision of the future. Like humans will not will will be optional and maybe you could get there too. Um and then for the actual concepts for the visual world, this this idea of a benevolent future corp, that was, that was the bravest concept. And they loved it and went for it. And us as an agency, it sort of really felt like a moment where everything we've been sort of striving for is really coming together. Um, and you can sort of see that uh, boldness in the work.
1: Uh, I mean, it excites me that there are like clients out there that are willing to to pick those brave kind of options. And I think it is... A little bit sad that the the industry and the expectations that have been set up is to to create multiple options and give people multiple routes and not just be like, this is the one. Like we believe wholeheartedly that this is the right route that you should should go for. um but i'm I'm excited to hear that there are people that are willing to sort of take that that leap. And often, I think when the case studies are made and people look back, it seems like the logical choice, but it was actually a brave client who made a decision that on a different day, they might've picked the safer route and then it wouldn't have been as successful, as exciting or as sort of definitive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I've got so much respect for like our clients who do anything because changing the company, changing the brand, it, it is scary and it takes so much work. So um, I'm always so impressed with the, with the, bravery of our clients and feel very lucky to work with those people who are who are ready to take take that challenge on it's it's, it's amazing
1: i mean i'm sure the the handover process must be quite quite difficult because you are now making people take a bigger leap that they would have naturally taken on their own how do you hand off your work when you sort of have done your initial work and now the the internal people have to pick it up and almost fly that flag in your absence how do you can you talk a bit about how you get them to to pick up your thinking and and run forward with it
0: yeah absolutely i think that's where like a really clear and strong conceptual approach comes in handy because if you can use that storytelling to sort of bring those ideas to life in people's minds then you don't need to convince them you know what the rules are and what they need to do because they'll inherently understand it you know in in their in their bones because they'll have bought into that story and then, in terms of the tools that we give them to to bring that brand to life, because of the way we work in the sort of uh, making sure every element is communicating the idea, exaggerating that idea, it means we do give them a kit of parts that means that you can pull the brand apart and put it back together in. You know, a million different ways, and it's and it's and it will still feel coherent and consistent in telling that same story, but it gives you a really simple system that can can flex for whatever it is they're creating. and gives them the opportunity to really take that brand and, and move it forwards. Once we have done that initial work and handed it over to them.
1: I mean, uh, the one thing I, I remember from our thing well, or our pre-call is that you said um, that you have a, a storyteller on every single team. Um, can you talk about how you sort of build story, like literally into the org chart of of your company?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we've got uh, a team of writers and they are just uh, so talented. It blows it really blows me away. And what, what our head of copy, David, has really sort of taught us is how to use writers as creatives. So for us, when we start a project and it's the creative team working on it, it is writers and designers working very much in tandem and um, the writers are really, really driving the concept as much, if not more so than than the designers. And I think... When, when we are working this conceptually and we sort of need that concept to drive all of our creative decisions, it's just so important to have that really baked in. They're not there to fill in where, you know, Laura Mipson wants that. They're really sort of driving the creative. And the way David talks about it, he talks about it, um, imagining the sort of relationship almost like a game of doubles tennis. So sometimes, you know, the, the designers at the front of the net you know, taking all the glory, batting away the sort of difficult balls, and the writer at the back keeping everything ticking along. But sometimes the writer goes to the fore, and you have to sort of do what's right for the for the project and the brand and the concept. And yeah, it's it's we've sort of learned how to do that, and we've got to a point where we're just in such a good flow. I think it really shows in in the work we're creating.
1: I mean, I love I love when you see the commitment to an idea in how the teams are structured, because I think it's a lot to say, oh uh, yeah, this is, we believe in this, but when you actually see a human dedicated in that role and included earlier in the process, you know, and given an equal say, it sort of represents that, um, you know, I, I guess this, the idea of the art and copy team is not a, not a new one. Um, but I think what was interested me is that it's a lot of this is long format writing. It's not just that sort of single ad line, big idea. How do you, you know, when you're creating these rules and telling the story, do you write out like long form story that people can sort of understand? Is it, is it everything in between?
0: Kind of, uh, it's the way we sort of present our work, I guess, could feel a bit more like a storyboard for a film you're going to make, um, and so, um, yeah, the writer would write that story, but spread it up across several pages, and then um, the the designers um, will contribute contribute to that. It'd be very much back and forth, and then um, bringing those words to life visually, and so that's how we how we work like that. Um, so it is sort of like a collection of. Uh, shorter form writing that adds up to something bigger
1: mm. i enjoy i mean I enjoy this like idea that you you build around something you know, and I can see how each person if you bring in an animation team or a development team if they understand how to contribute to that story, if they buying to that single vision, they can build up on top of it and potentially push it into places that it might not have come, you know, or gotten to if it was not built like that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's that's exactly what excites us about the approach is that, you know, our goal is to get to unexpected places. And I think that collaboration with the sort of different ways of thinking that that is how you're going to get there.
1: So, I mean, you say you want to get to unexpected places. What is the most unexpected place that you've ended up that you didn't think you would go when you followed this process?
0: you know what? um it's almost uh, it's almost the opposite uh to sort of being brave but um we recently rebranded a juice brand and uh there's there's nothing particularly remarkable about the juice it's good it's good quality um it's it's good stuff you can sort of uh, people use it in bars and and it's it's premium but it's not it's not special in any way and the sort of strategy we kept with was, um, extra And so we essentially created the, the sort of, uh, most ordinary juice brand <laughs> that you can <could> possibly <laughs> think of. And to me, like, cause like we're always trying to push for these sort of wild things and, and we're trying to find somewhere unexpected. That in itself was a really unexpected place to end up. And it is one of, it's ended up becoming like one of my favorite things we've done because it's sort of, Exaggerating that idea of ordinary normal every day um and blowing that up to sort of what you know what the most extreme version of that could be and so yeah that I would say that's probably the most surprising place you've ended up to be honest
1: <laughs> I, I enjoy everything about that um, answer <laughs> so so now you've got uh, it's it's a fairly it's not a massive team, but there's quite a few of you how do you get how do you make sure that each team is following a similar sort of path and principle? Have you codified this whole thing down? You know, like, have you figured it out? Was it more kind of organic in that? How do you get people to to embrace this and not run off in different directions when they're all working separately?
0: Yeah, I think one of the things that has been quite transformative for our creative team is that we did uh, define some creative principles that really uh, gave people permission to sort of push into braver unexpected work and really um they're not they're not anything revolutionary necessarily but crystallizing them down into these simple principles really gives people clarity and confidence to focus on what we deem to be important during the branding process um and really that it's a crystallization of everything we've been talking about so far it's like creating work that stands out, creating work that, that feels different, being led by an idea and, and exaggerating it, and, and also looking for that, um, that emotional benefit that's going to create a connection with your audience. And so those principles really sort of give people clarity for what to focus for and what to drive towards. And so there is a lot of freedom there, but it gives people an idea of the ambition of the goal of the brands we want to create
1: can you can you share what what your principles are with a secret source and you have to come and apply for a job at ragged Edge and make it through the stringent hiring process in order to understand the secret gold
0: yeah i think I think that I think they are our secret source because I, I as far as I can tell people haven't I, I've not worked anywhere else for nearly ten years but I think it's quite unique to us and I think it's it is so transformative for the creative team I can't tell you exactly what they are but I think The answer before was quite a good, good summary, good summary. Okay. So
1: people must go back and listen and write them down and we'll uh, sell them on the black market. (laughs) 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 So how do you, I mean, how do you, you know, kind of transitioning into leading this creative team, you know, you, you mentioned kind of giving people creative confidence, you know, I've, I've seen sometimes Exactly, what we were talking about earlier is that a, a creative can sometimes stall themselves based on what they believe the client would want, or what they believe the they should be doing. How do you how do you lead your creative team? How do you get them to to drive, you know, and push all the time? Because I think once you've done something and you've it's worked, it's it's habit to try and just copy that same copy and paste that same sort of thing out again because we know that works, especially if there's time or or pressure of any kind?
0: Yeah, I think um first of all we that's what we look for. That's what we look to hire. We look for people who are um ambitious and people who naturally do want to like do create brave work. So that really helps. Um and also um create an environment where it's okay to sort of um put your neck out and try different things and try new things and um it's okay if it doesn't work out and i think people creatives in particular i think creativity is such a delicate thing we have to create a culture which is built on this uh approach which is much more yes and so um building on ideas rather than saying no but and i think um trying to sort of get that culture through everyone, take that real positive approach and make people feel safe um, to get it wrong, I think is really important. And also like on a day-to-day, really being a, being a cheerleader as well, sort of giving people that boost and telling them that it is really good, I think uh, can, go, can go such a long way. So um, I think uh, like confidence is essential to creativity. And if you've got confident creatives, you're going to create confident, exciting work. And so, mm. baking that into every single thing you do with the team, it has to be part of the culture.
1: I like that. I mean, one of the things I always say to my team is that you have to tell the client you like it. Because I think so often we forget to say, like, this is, we are so excited about this. We think it's one of the best things we've ever created. And that, Almost becomes infectious, you know. If you, if you're Absolutely. excited about something and you love it and you passionate about it, then you give that to them, and then they can take that and take it back to the company and be like, "Look at this cool thing I got." It's 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 sort of counterintuitive, but you know, quite often, you, you know, presentation can go badly because the person who was presenting it didn't present it particularly well. It's got nothing to do with the the idea or the concept; it's just how it was. Sort of delivered, and I think what I'm hearing in what you're saying is that that it's also important that people they might think it's good, but it's also good to hear that it's good from an outside source because then you're like, oh, I'm, I'm I'm not wrong. Like this is actually pretty good, and I can push it even further.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and I think that's so important what you said about the presenting of it because I think um like telling that story and getting that excitement across it is it is definitely infectious, and we. We really want that to come through because we work so hard. We try so hard all the time. And we're, when we're presenting, we are concentrating really hard on doing a good job and maybe mm. forgetting about the impression we're making. So mm. remembering to to share that enthusiasm is so important and show your personality as well and let that come through.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that is really important. Um, the The personality, I think people also bond with, with people. So, you know, if you're gonna take a leap and do something crazy and change the entire way your company or product feels when it goes out into the world, that's not a a small thing to do. And it's always easier to do it with someone that you you like or respect or, you know, kind of feel safe with.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and I think you know we've got so many different characters here, and it's really what I always say to people is just like I really want them to to be themselves and sort of do what they thinks best because that is how you know we get the the full benefit of their talent um and how you how you do make those genuine connections with either your teammates or your clients, like you say
1: hmm. so I'm interested uh, i asked this question of all of my my interviews, but you know i'm interested in what your definition of a brand is and then the second part of that is you know there's there seems to be more pressure in the world that you know consumers and at least the press expect brands to show up in a in a certain way you know and kind of take a stand on social issues or you know kind of play a role in society what do you think a brand is and what role do you think they play in the society that we live in
0: so really it'd be no surprise that i think really a brand is a concept and an idea that's shared between people um and i think us as creators like we can drive that narrative and create strong brands so that everyone has that same idea communicated to them so that it can add up as something that's greater than some of its parts. And I think for brands' roles in society, I think they've got to be trying to make some sort of positive change in the world uh, and trying to move things forward because otherwise what's the point? So do you
1: think, I mean, where would you put like a a toilet paper brand? Are they supposed to be moving the world forward? How would would you? Sure.
0: I mean, um, there's that, In the UK, we've got a brand, a toilet paper brand called Who Gives a Crap? And they've got a real strong social purpose, believing that everyone should have access to toilet sanitary. Um, And so that is a great example of a brand using their products in a way to create positive change in the world. So yes, 100%.
1: That's I like it. We 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 don't have that. Our, all of our toilet paper in South Africa is covered in puppies and um, you know like toy trains and things like that, which has never on a conceptual level really stuck with me. <laughs> no, <laughs> it, it feels like they're almost ashamed of what their product is and trying to hide the fact.
0: Yeah, but if you could buy into a brand that is genuinely making the world a better place, and it happens to be toilet paper, that's a great thing.
1: Hmm. Brad I mean, I think there's so many so many uh, kind of nuggets that I'm taking out of this. I mean one of my favorites is this idea of yes and um, I think that's a a nice sort of skill to give people and to share with the world um, and I think it's interesting if the clients even ask that. So when you ask, you're like, here's the thing. And they go, yes, that's cool. But and and what else is there? Like, what else can we do? How, you know, where else can we sort of play with that? And that permission can go such a long way to create sort of meaningful things that ultimately change society in the world and the things that we, we live in. I think it's such a simple question, but it can go very, very far in the, the hands Absolutely. of the right people.
0: Yeah. And when it comes to feedback with with clients, we borrowed something from IDEO, the sort of innovation company, and uh, they said the best sort of the best way to move creative forward in a collaborative collaborative process is to frame feedback in two ways. So you always lead with something you like. So I like this part of it, and for something that you're that you think could be better, you sort of start your sentence with I wish. So I wish it could. Do this. I wish it could do that, and I wish it could so that everything's framed with this really constructive, positive uh, message. Because if you if you are saying no to creative things, you sort of generally chip away, and you end up with you can end up with nothing. But if it's a yes and I like, I wish process, then you're you're building on the good things, and you end up somewhere better and better and better. And you end up somewhere great.
1: Mm. I like that. And to tie it back to that single concept, you go how do we bring that to life even more here i wish exactly. it would highlight that even more i wish it would bring this stronger uh, and like you said uh, taps into the positive side of things and not the defensive side of things absolutely yeah well luke i mean i think that's such a a cool note to end the podcast on um i, I really enjoyed our, our chat i think this many many things to to think about here but thank you for for using your skills to to change the world and, and help the people that are being brave enough to to try so thank you for your work and thank you for your energy and thank you for your time
0: thank you ross it's a real pleasure to be on your podcast thank you so much
1: great and we'll catch you all in the next one bye-bye Thanks for listening. We believe that sharing knowledge is an obligation. So if you know someone who's building a brand or needs some inspiration for their brand, please share this podcast with them. This is our third season and we'd be grateful if you'd hit that subscribe button so you're the first one to know when a new episode comes out. Or even better, leave us a review and tell the world how much you enjoy listening. This really helps. One more question is brought to you by the people at NiceWork. NiceWork is a purpose-driven company helping people who want to make a dent in the world by building brands that people give a shit about. We're based in Johannesburg, South Africa, and serve companies around the world. If you'd like to know more, partner with us, or make a suggestion, reach out at www.nicework.co.za. And if you're one of those really old-school people, send us a letter, and we'll make you a mixtape.